listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Cero miedo! Because the Warhorse will fight! Until he brings his last breath! I got the whole damn world in my hands! Your arms are just too short to box with God! You just made the list! But the man is back! Daddy's home! Ricky ain't about just taking titles, I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! Don't think, don't company, don't entity, all pro wrestling, No more questions, not that damn now. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's Journey into Wrestling, Season 4, Episode 22, Double or Nothing. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me once again, he is the fucking baddest man on the planet. Don't piss him off. He'll rip your head clean the shit off. I'm not even joking right now with you. Welcome back to our show, my beloved co-host, Buckles. How you doing, dude? I, I am above ground. Uh, I will say that I am surviving and above ground. Hey, that's a, that's a good sign. Below ground would be, we would not be doing yeah. this right now. It would make for a very interesting and muffled podcast. It, well, that <laughs> and or I would be having some weird talking to myself podcast where I'm like, this is what Buckles would have said. And then people oh, would be like, Nate has lost it. He is off his rocker. Dude, you just gave me a fucking brainwave already. Do a seance podcast. Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> Speak with the dead via podcast. <laughs> That'd actually be hilarious just because <laughs> <laughs> it could be so ridiculous and satirical. That's actually great, dude. I'm going to – we'll talk get somebody about that doing it. I don't want to give too much away, man. But what's good in your world, dude? I, I'm working my ass off. Um, I'm actually trying to bide my time. I have four days left. Actually – with this Aaron, it's Wednesday. I have two days left after tonight until uh, I'm going on a much-needed vacation or uh, as much of a vacation as one could take during these corona-addled times. At least some kind of a break away from yes, your craziness Yes, I am taking a, your job. a hiatus, yeah. We are, uh, we are kicking some ass. Like uh, I'm still working at the food bank, and as one might expect right now, in the middle of a recession and... You know, when everyone is on unemployment and shit's kind of crazy, um, 
food banks are uh, hopping at the moment. <laughs> we're we're uh, doing business hand over fist. Basically, um, I'm going out and running one of my events almost every day. We've got National Guardsmen running events every day. We're doing uh, you know 1,200 families a week at our in-house pantry. It's just kind of shit all over the place. This has actually been, uh, from a output standpoint, this July has been the busiest month in the five years that I've been there. And August is going to be even busier. Um, does that does that concern you? Because like I'm I'm guessing, and you know I don't know the industry kind of like you do because you've been there. But like, is this one of the situations where around Christmas it's fucking busy because it's Christmas and people are needy? But right now because of coronavirus times, like people well, I mean, are fucking needy. I, there is definitely need. I'll say that I go to so many events and I've been to so many events for the last five years that I know. I recognize faces pretty easily, so I can tell if somebody's been back multiple times. I've seen more new faces in the last month, in the last two, three months, than I have in a long time. Um, we get more people that don't know what they're doing when they come up because it's their first time coming to one of my events. That you know, that tells me, hey, these are new people. These are folks that haven't had to need help before, or are you know needing help just for the first time. That kind of thing. What do you so, say? Yes, take one of everything, please. Dude, um, I did some math earlier. We actually were given out just at my events alone, so not the extra ones we're doing and not the not the school distributions and everything like that, but I'm given out alone to over or close to a thousand families a week already. Myself. That's insane. And that's just that's a about a, a quarter of what we're actually doing. Right now we're we are I'm I'm I did some math at, uh, there's one particular grant, so one particular sponsor. Um, I did some math on that. We are well over since October of last year when this grant started. Uh, we've handed out at least a million pounds of food, not counting July, not counting all the extra shit, not counting any of the extra coronavirus and COVID-19 extra outreach we've been doing just from that one grant-sponsored event uh, every month alone, already in a million pounds there. So... When I say that I'm overworked and I don't want to get into a whole lot of this shit about, you know, what I end up doing. I do all the scheduling. I do all this, that, and the other. But the program that we're doing right now, the program that I've been running, is at a higher importance level uh, in within the company due to the coronavirus because we can't have stuff in person. We're needing to get out and get to people, and it's easier for us to get out food through my program at this point than it is some other ways. And the workload that I'm going through is close to triple the amount of what I'm normally doing. I've got Damn, a shitload that I've got to get done before I'm done on Friday this afternoon, or the, uh, this week on Friday, before I go on my little hiatus. And I'm trying to keep a running tab of what all I need to get done before I leave so the shit doesn't fall apart in my absence. You're like, okay, all I'm doing is walking to the back of the train. Oh, God. All you have to do is keep the train going <laughs> forward on the tracks. Yep. I'm going to put it in autopilot now. It's it's nothing short of amazing. Like, we, uh, with my with my input, just personally, I do all the scheduling for all the events that we do, which is right now upwards of close to 40 events a month right now. Um, upwards, or that's up from the usual about 15 to 20 that we would do. Um, I help do all the organization scheduling, try to make sure I'm scheduling out for the rest of this year, making sure everything's tracked correctly, all the uh, all the data is tracked correctly, 
It's uh, and then I actually go to the events and physically run them myself and help organize the people on site. So like I'm I'm in the office for two hours frantically working and then I'm out on the road for you know four to five hours a day and then coming back for another hour and a half in the office trying to get more shit done and answering phones and all that fun stuff. That's why so, buckles is burnt out, you motherfuckers. Yes. I am, I am very, very burnt out. But this, 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 this Am's by he needs a break. Yep. But as I keep telling everybody that I know and uh, the people that know me and uh, tell my manager who's afraid I'm going to put a two weeks in at any moment, I am far too stubborn to give up that easily. <laughs> so I'm too damn stubborn to leave. So they're going to have to do a little bit more to get me burnt that burned out. You're like right now. I'm angry and determined. Damn it, we're going to get through. Like I said last week, or last show, I am 100% fueled by sarcasm and caffeine. That's awesome. You know what's crazy? I was driving the other day. I just wanted to really quick say this because you're, you're dealing food pantry. You work there. I've never had to go to a food pantry. Thank God, you know, luckily or whatever. Like, I don't really believe in God, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> anyways, I was driving home the other day from the store. And I went by this church that's also a polka stop because, you know, I have to go by there to get the polka stop. Right. And they had this lady who was like almost in traffic waving people in because it was a food pantry. And I mm-hmm. literally like just I didn't stop or anything because, you, you know, I didn't want to be weird. But like I wanted to just be like, ma'am, I appreciate you, but I do not need what you're offering me. Look in my back seat. I have <laughs> provisions. We're OK. You yeah. know, and it was just crazy to me because I was thinking like as I drove away, my first thought was. Not a lot of people know they're having a food pantry and they don't want the food right. to go bad. That's why they're trying to get people in that bad. Well, I mean, it's you got to think right now and, and to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit on food pantries and uh, food banks in particular, we're 100% funded by grants and things like that. And right now, companies and businesses and organizations are inclined to give out grants because it helps with the relief effort. And you know, in the past, maybe they weren't so forthcoming or maybe in the future, they may not be so forthcoming. So when somebody offers you a grant, you want to take it and do what you can with it because you may not, you don't want to damage that relationship. Totally. You want them to be able to come to you later on. So even if you're already going like gangbusters and they offer you something, you want to take it and make sure you have a good relationship. So we're bringing in food like you wouldn't believe, but when you're bringing it in, you've got to get it out quickly because you can't have it sitting on you. You'll either get buried in food at the warehouse or you'll have something go bad and you'll have to get rid of it. And that you don't want that either. So we're trying to, we're bringing stuff in at a huge pace and we're trying to get it out at an even faster pace. So yeah, it's it's not surprising at all. You've got to kind of weave. Mm -hmm. It is. We deal with stuff that has a very, very finite, you know, expiration date. Yeah. But, well, I mean, listen. We've talked about the realness of your life long enough, and I think this is your life, Buckles, because what does your life also revolve around? <laughs> oh, God. Wrestling. If, 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 this, if my segment is that this is your life segment, it's going to fall on the, uh, the Bailey and uh, Alexa Bliss scale. <laughs> it's not going to be a rock and, uh, rock and Foley. <laughs> okay, fair, fair point, you know. Um, it's interesting because I, to just talk about the rock Foley, to kind of go back, I've still got the books. I told mm-hmm. you, you accidentally, you asked me what I wanted to have the books on. I said Invasion. That has set off a chain reaction where I'm probably going to book through Mania, and we're going to do this little by little throughout the next couple months. Yep. 
Um, but I have the second segment of that, and I wanted to just kind of get it out of the way because I, after watching something we'll be talking about later today, the horror show at Extreme Rules, um, I perused on the network a little bit, and I found myself captivated watching the Ruthless Aggression uh, documentary that they put out, the five-part mm-hmm. series. Um, of course, episode one really talks about why I'm doing what I'm doing with the books because we never got this, and everybody <laughs> wanted this version of the universe. So I'm really yep. taking it to the next level. I have some big plans, and I also want to note that I did try to look at the future of the business and where they went with stories anyways and go, uh, I could totally, this is where I can use a jumping on point for this idea. We can do this here. I'm actually going to bring something that ends up happening a little bit later down the road is going to get brought up in this segment today, and we're going to get to that right away. But anyways, Buckles, are you ready for me to take the books a little bit further and take us beyond the invasion? I am ready, willing, and able, my friend. Okay, so these are these are some very interesting and exciting matchups. Please comment on your thoughts, questions, concerns. Um, you know, uh, obviously this is built built on the back of what happened at Invasion. So if you don't know what happened, go back to I think it was 420 of the show or 419. One of those I think it was 420 because 419 I was not on. Um, and 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 definitely listen to that. I'll kind of be referencing that a little bit here too as we go. So for the pre-show. Uh, China is going to take on Tori Wilson. Okay. Pretty simple build. There's not a lot here to really discuss. Uh, you know, Tori's new blood. China's like, I'm the baddest bitch in the planet. You know, I'm going to destroy you. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first official match on the card is fun because, you know, the night after we have, uh, you know, Team WWF, losing because of interference from the NWO, uh, Jericho comes out first, and he's, like, you know, pretty pissed off, and he's got something to say. And he says, you know, I've been – I'm technically – I should be – I could be – I could play any side because I've been in ECW, I've been in WCW, and I'm obviously – I've been WWF. But in WCW, they called me the the man of 1,004 holds, (laughs) and I can prove it. And I can take anybody out from any side, even my own side, I don't care, in a submission match. Taz's music hits. Ooh. Holy shit, Taz Y2J. And Taz says, okay, rookie, like, you're you're small potatoes to me, kid. And I'm going to show you what's up. And they end up having a submission match at... uh, this ends up being SummerSlam. This is the card we're building as SummerSlam on the other okay. side of Invasion. So the first match on the card, Y2J v. Taz. Uh, up next, this is a fun little match as Christian takes on RVD in an ECW rules match. Okay. Okay. Edge is obviously ringside cheering on Christian. And at some point interferes, spearing RVD. Okay. Right after he spears RVD, the lights go out. The lights come back on and Sabu is there to help RVD. All right. RVD ends up going over. I didn't say, but Y2J ends up winning the submission match. I should mention that. I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Okay. So Sabu returns to help RVD. Obviously, that puts RVD over. 
Christians kind of beside himself, like, "Damn it, we had it! I that, we could we could not have seen that happening. We you know we didn't expect that to happen." Um, third match on the card is carryover from the last uh, event where we had the TLC four, which was Edge and Christian and the Hardys versus the Dudleys and Steiners to determine the greatest brother tag team right. of all time in wrestling history, which ended up going to the Hardys. Uh, in this, though. We have the Dudleys who, you know, are kind of pissed off and have something to prove. Um, issuing an open challenge, which is answered by, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> and obviously the New Age Outlaws come out. They scrap with the Dudleys. Dudleys end up putting them through the table, get the win. Not looking good for WWF. They're not on you know, right. a great role. Obviously, Y2J won, but so far that's been it. Right. Up next, uh, to blend a little bit of real storyline that was happening at the time, <clears throat> your IC champion Kane taking on a still-masked Rey Mysterio who defeated Eddie to have Eddie's hair get cut in a hair-versus-mask right. match at Invasion. Um, Kane loses this match and Rey Mysterio takes the Intercontinental title over to Team WCW. Okay. And it's like a big shocker. Like, holy way, what? He beat Kane? Like, really? Okay. Okay. This is, uh, this is not the night I was expecting this to go. This is looking really bad. Uh, fifth card of the night is important to note that the night after Invasion... Shane, Stephanie come out, and they're laughing. You know, even though they lost ultimately because team, or even though they won because of the interference of Team NWO, they're laughing because they're just like, this is great. We've got Dad on his heels. Now we can kind of reveal the master plan. And the master plan is, is that they didn't really have money to buy ECW or WCW like that. Okay. They had a benefactor. That benefactor <laughs> is Ric Flair. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on. I have sure. to. I have to say logically, there's no way in hell Ric Flair would ever have enough money. He's got far too al too much alimony for that. Correct, <laughs> but storyline purposes. I know, I know. I just I could not resist throwing that in there. The benefactor is Flair, and okay. Flair is you know kind of fired up. He comes out on Raw the next night, and you know he's wooing and all that, and he says, "You know what? I'm issuing a challenge to Vince. That's how confident I am." And how about this? You know, because we're still playing under your roof, Vince. Uh, how about the winner of the match between you and I gets full creative control of the next pay-per-view? Okay. Absolute creative control. It could be named whatever it could be. It could have whatever matches we want on it. I can put all my WCW guys in, in handicap matches against any one of your guys, and that's fine. Um, okay. If I win, Vince is like, okay, Rick, like you look like, you know, melted mozzarella and I'm still like kind of ripped because of all the steroids and shit. Um, let's do it, you know? And that's the fifth match of the night is Ric Flair versus Vince for creative control of the next pay-per-view. Flair wins. That makes sense. Yeah. And there is a silence in the back. What's going to happen? How are we 
as a team now going to recover because they can stack the deck next time. Like, whatever the events of tonight happen, don't matter. The next event could change and alter wrestling history forever as we as we go on. So, again, at that point, we're almost halfway through the card at this point, and everyone's kind of like tonally desperation has settled in in the back. Uh, sixth match of the night is the Legend Sting versus Edge. A dream match we never got. Right. Uh, and Sting is still in his prime. Edge is very much rising to his prime. Edge goes over. He's just, again, overwhelmed with desperation of how bad things are, how bleak things are for Team WWF. You know? Interesting. And it's a goddamn, okay. I mean, five-star classic. Sting goes to f- hit him with the death drop. He reverses, you know, hits him with the spear. I mean, tons of back and forth. The kind of match you know that those two would have put on had they had the right. opportunity together. Right. Moving on to match seven. The new Radicals, who are your tag champions, are facing the greatest brother tag team in wrestling history, the Hardys. Now, this is interesting. Benoit and Malenko versus the Hardys. The tag titles on the line. The Hardys riding this high of of just being claimed the greatest brother tag right. team in history. And they get, the, they get the floors mopped. They just get destroyed by the new radicals it's not even close okay and they they maintain the tag title so now you still have wwf tag titles are in wcw's possession the ic title in wcw's possession see where we're going here Mm -hmm. now kurt angle is really pissed off as as the events of the last booking happened where you know he and bret hart were in a submission match and it was stopped because of interference by HBK. Kurt's pissed that the dream match was destroyed. So he says, HBK, I want you in a 30-minute Iron Man match at SummerSlam. Oh, God. <laughs> and they go. And it's amazing. And Kurt wins. And okay. it's big time feels. Again, this is a little different because HBK is a WWF guy. Kurt is a WWF guy. But this is personal. Very, very personal. Now, the next match on the card, Buckles, I think you're going to be most interested in, because I've thought about this one long and hard, we have a conundrum. There's a dream match I want to happen, but in the current iteration of what was happening in the landscape, the version of this character that I need doesn't exist. Okay. So I had to do some creative problem solving. Up next is Buried Alive 2. Cactus Jack comes out, and he says, you know, there's a couple moments that stick out in my career. Burying you, takers, one of them, but you threw me off the cage to kill me. And I've never let that go, that you did that to mankind, but you can't do that to Jack. And I'm not <laughs> going to let you do that to Jack, because I'm going to bury you alive, and I'm going to bring the, the violence, the side of me you've never seen. And American Badass Taker and Cactus Jack go at it. Ultimately, Cactus Jack buries the American Badass. Okay. Interesting. You need it. You need to do this. Trust me. It's it's this that that's a slow burn payoff. But Taker's off the board now. 
as the American badass, okay? Uh, right, the ninth match on the card, the main card, or no, the tenth match, sorry, I just did the ninth match, is an interesting ditty because it's Stone Cold defending the WWF title against Diamond Dallas Page. Ooh. DDP, former, you know, world yeah, heavyweight like champion it. in WCW. Like What's up? I like it a lot, yeah. Okay, so yeah, they have a hell of a match. Stone Cold goes over, maintains the title. Okay. So, the next match. Cool down a little bit the crowd, but keep things popping. Because, you know, there's a name that we talked about on the last one that was a surprise when I brought Bret Hart back because, you know, I didn't allow him to get hurt by Goldberg and ruin his career. Mm Mm-hmm. I changed history just a little bit there. He's on a little bit of a mission now. You know, he had his match with uh, Kurt and the HBK thing kind of happened. And he's like, now I have unfinished business. I'm going to start taking out people associated with HBK. And he challenges Triple H to a steel cage match. All right. Brett beats him. And again, WCW is just... Laying up. Team WCW, right. quote-unquote, slash ECW, although they didn't play a big role in this uh, particular card. Um, you know, they're getting theirs in, and they're really making Vince's team doubt everything about themselves. And there's just like, it, could anything else worse happen, you know, uh, than Brett beating Triple H? Yeah, lots worse can happen. So, Big Show, Team WWF, is facing Goldberg. Sound familiar? It does. I think these two have history. Yeah, it does. I think they'd be beefing over squash. (laughs) So check it out. Big Show and Goldberg going back and forth. Goldberg hits the jackhammer. Lights go out. The Outsiders and Hogan are in the ring. So they're interfering again in the main event. Yeah. What's up? Interfering. Is this the main event of the night? Not yet. Co-main event. Okay, so they're interfering in a main event for the second consecutive pay per view. Uh huh. Okay. They beat the shit out of Goldberg. They look at Big Show. They throw him a shirt. <laughs> he puts it on. The original four members of the NWO have reunited. And okay. they beat the shit out of Goldberg. And of course, Big Show gets the pin. So, you know, bleak, even more bleak, because now NWO has come in and really interfered with shit, and you're just like, oh, my God, can things get worse? Well, yeah, because The Rock versus Booker T is the main event for the WCW title. Ends in a no contest when the NWO comes out again and just beats the shit out of both of them. Okay. And you're just like, what is going on? You have all these factions, all these teams, but the NWO is not beholden to any one side. Right. And that and the renegade side of that is becoming more and more dangerous. And as we're gonna find out, oh the night's not over. Because although that was the main event and it's done and, and the Rock and Booker T have had the absolute utter shit kicked out of them. By the way, their match 
didn't even get started. The music hits, they came out, the bell rang, and then all hell broke loose. Okay. Flair's music hits, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Flair's coming out. What's he got to say? And you know, he's like, obviously, earlier in the night, we won. And I want to go back to our roots, to somewhere I really love that doesn't get enough love. (laughs) So our next pay-per-view, we're going to Sturgis. (laughs) And it's Road Wild. Oh, God. (laughs) And I cannot wait to tell you what I have planned for that booking because that's going to be shit going off the rails. But essentially, the story I'm building is Team WWF just being decimated to a point where are they going to be able to rise from these ashes. Right. Okay. I like it. I like what you're going. I really like the uh, the DDP and Stone Cold match. I think that's a, a brilliant pairing that I would love to have seen. Um, on the topic of the uh, the booking here, I actually sure. I had I've been working on a, a segment of my own for you got the book, and I keep coming up with a bit of a, uh, a writer's block in a way or a brain freeze because I can't really get the time of what I want to link up with the uh, people I want to so to speak. Huh. So I realized I wanted to kind of take it a different way. And instead of having a full, you got the book segment on it where I fantasy book, everything, I just wanted to actually uh, just pose a question rather and just kind of think it out with you. Sure. So the idea that I've had, I've had this for a while. I always wanted to see a second iteration of evolution. The idea of evolution being this group that is the past, present and future of professional wrestling Uh, And how it played out with the original iteration where it kind of built up Randy as the new future. It built up Batista. It had Ric Flair as the old guard. It was still a centerpiece for Triple H. And the idea that evolution is going to keep moving forward, there should be a second iteration of evolution at some point. And I love the idea because now that Ric Flair is not the guy he used to be, who's your elder statesman of the group? Triple H is the perfect role for that. But I can never come up with the right group of people for it at the right time frame, the right time to introduce them. So what I want to ask is if you were going to create, if you were going to start that stable right now, if you were going to pick a new age evolution from the current available to WWE roster, who would you pick? If you could have, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Easy. Give me four names. Well, so, either Triple H in three names or four new names. No, it is Triple H because Triple H is obviously your flair. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit older. The Sage, you know, doesn't have to get his hands dirty, can be a tag team guy, and it's fun. Right. You have Randy as your Triple H, centerpiece, assassin, still sharp as a thumb, you know, just on top of the game. Okay. Then, because, you know, wind the clock back just a pinch, because you could do this in lieu of what they ended up kind of doing, which was, you know, lame and corporate bullshit with the authority. You, you easily, you make both, you you, you, ha- you have it. It's, it's all so already they did it, and they just didn't package it the right way. Seth Rollins is your Randy, you know. Okay. And Roman Reigns, dude, make him heal. 
I could see like, that. Make him your Batista and then rise him out of that to be the good guy? Like, come the I fuck on. People would have been so over for that. I could see that. So here's, and I like that. I do like all of I like the idea of Seth being uh, someone that Triple H is grooming because there's the history there. I like the idea of Roman being a, a face you can spin out of it. Here's the, the one I kind of came up with. And when I, when I give these names, and two of them I've kind of had set in stone. Um, or I should, at least one of them I've had set in stone, and he's the key reason I've never been able to tie it to the right time frame. But you have Triple H as the elder statesman, as the Ric Flair of the group. Okay. Um, I would set it up so when you actually debut the faction, you want it to be Randy, or Randy is expected to be that guy because of the past history. But Triple H looks at Randy and says, no, you were the future. Evolution has passed you by. Ooh. And roll out... Kevin Owens. Oh. As your as your Triple H really of the group, as the centerpiece of the group. He's the one that can talk. He's the one that is going to be the best in your angles, things like that. You want a future or a tag team person, a younger guy? Pete Dunn. Okay. I'm for Pete it. Dunn is the one that Triple H is grooming. He's the tag guy. He's the one that Triple H is going to tag with for, you know, undercard matches and things like that. He's the one that eventually is going to rise up to challenge Owens when Owens gets the belt or something along those lines. So you've got Triple H, you've got Owens, you've got Pete Dunne. Here's the other kicker to it. That third person. Complete, complete flip from the Batista type. Give me Shayna Baszler. Ooh, interesting. So now you have someone to take over the women's division because of the women's evolution. She oh, is the I women's like evolution. And I'm, I've never been able to tie it down to the right time frame because I would have loved to have done it when the Shield first broke up. You know, if I could have done it back when the Shield first broke up, I would absolutely put Rollins in that Kevin Owens role. But Don wasn't around then. Shayna Baszler wasn't around then. And there's no one I would have really had tapped at that point, looking back at the rosters at that point. But you do it now, there isn't really a good way to set it up. The only thing I can come up with kind of now is to set it up as the, maybe they create that new era of evolution as a way to, in you know April of 2019, maybe that's what finally put uh, Ambrose out. That's what broke up the shield. Hmm rather than giving him his riding off into the sunset moment. Actually, I haven't put somebody over. That's the only thing I could really come up with as far as the time, and I just couldn't get it to line up well. Hmm. But I do love the idea. I really wish they would someday pull the trigger on that new era evolution, and I love the idea of getting one of those guys from an NXT, because, I mean, if you don't want to pick Dunn, Adam Cole would be perfect for something like that. Yeah. You know, Adam Cole or... Uh, uh, Dominic Dijakovic could be a really good in that Batista type role. <clears throat> uh, That'd be fun to see for sure. Yep, I would almost say Keith Lee, but I can't see Lee as a heel at this point. Uh, no. Cross is too, you know, tied up with the own with his own mythology at this point. Adam Cole, if he didn't have the era, Adam Cole would be spot on for it. So it's it's all kind. Of, there's all kinds of interesting things you can spin out from it. Hell, you don't necessarily have to have four people. You could well, have no, H. because yeah. last time they had a three-person thing, that was called Legacy. Right. <laughs> I mean, you could have four guys and then Baszler. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. So you could have, you know, somebody going after the main title. You could have someone going after the IC title. You have a tag team and you have the women's. You have one to take out every angle of it. And it's I kind of know how you build the team with Triple H. Right. He calls each one of them. You're one of Vince's rejects. You could do that. Or KO, they're one, he's one of Triple H's kids. Shayna, Vince doesn't believe in you. Pete Dunne, you could do that. Vince don't believe in you. You could do that. Hell, you could frame it up as... You could pull everybody from NXT and have it as his... Triple H's new evolution is the NXT revolution. It's the new era of NXT invading, kind of like a, a new Nexus in a way. That'd be cool. You know, finally get that angle done right. So, I don't know. Like I said, there's a lot of things I could think of. I wanted to get to the end game of having this new era evolution. And I still think, in my heart, they have all kinds of ways. As long as Triple H is a, is a character there, they have ways to get to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, hell, I like the idea of if Randy Orton's a face, having him be the face they go after to show that evolution has passed him by. Yeah. So, Man, I tell you, I get a lot of time driving up and down on the road to think about this kind of bullshit. <laughs> hey, man, that's what you do, though. You got to think. That's why I love that you got the book segment, because it puts your brain in like, mm-hmm. okay, if I could have in any time, what would I have done? You know, right. and, and of course, it's like hindsight booking or whatever. But it's right. fun because there's like an element of like, like, I know in my story why I just buried the Undertaker alive. Right. I know where the payoff comes from that. And it's going to be fucking cool. You know, and I, and every match has set up for something that's coming down the road. So it's 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 yeah, fun. Fun is the word that I would um, would use. I've been enjoying that we've got. And the it's it's cool because you get to do debuts, you get to do, you know, some returns, new champs, things like that. All kinds of new and interesting angles that you can spin out of pay per views. Yeah, I feel like those are all things that happened recently in the real wrestling world currently. You, you know what? You're thinking on the same same fucking brave wave, brain wavelength as me. I was trying to set up a segue, and I think you may have just beat me to it. <laughs> because there was a show this this past weekend, actually, that had debuts, had returns, had new champs. And, it and it's a show a that you and I don't talk show. about. It's a, it's a promotion that you and I don't discuss very often, and that's Impact. We had Slammiversary 2020. Yeah, okay, so quick takeaways from Impact, uh, Slammiversary 2020. Do, we, do you want to run through the card real quick? Okay, uh, yes, let's do that. Please. I do have it here in front of me. Run it down. So uh, we start off with an open challenge from the Rascals, which is, I believe, was uh, 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 Dez, and, uh, uh, Dez and Wentz. Um. Answered by the Motor City Machine Guns, some TNA legends. Fuck yes. And arguably still one of the best tag teams on the planet when they're firing. Um, Alex Shelley rocking that Danzig shirt. (laughs) Yep. I gotta say, shout out to uh, Ruby Riot for having Misfits uh, logos all over her fucking ring gear. Yep. And having that on WWE programming every time. Also shout out to her for, uh, you know, being billed from Lafayette, Indiana. Gotta love it. Um. So yeah, you have the uh, machine guns winning the uh, winning the open challenge over the rascals. So there's your first big return. And Impact had really been had been building up the fact that they had lots of returns coming. They had all kinds of vignettes and teases for stuff coming back to Impact here. They even um, had a vignette before Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Which was um, the reveal that the Good Brothers were officially coming to the Impact Zone. Yep, they revealed uh, midnight the night before, and there's all kinds of shit we can unpack from that later on. Um, so you have uh, the guns winning over the Rascals. The next match is uh, Kylie Ray winning a gauntlet match uh, to become the new number one contender for the Impact uh, Knockouts Championship. Held by Jordan Grace. Held by Jordan Grace. Um, cool for Kylie Ray. I know you and I are both fans of her. Um, Impact has a lot of female talent. I'm a big fan of Rosemary, for one. Um, I'm still impressed that Ty is with the company, given that, uh, given that really Morrison is with WWE. I would have thought she'd be WWE bound in a heartbeat. Um, you had then, uh, the North, who is a very underrated tag team of Josh Alexander and Ethan Page. Uh, Alexander, I've had the privilege of seeing live before. Uh, Paige, actually, as well, now I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, beating the team of Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan, um, who did manage to stay together for the most part, but um, you also have Chris Bay defeating Willie Mack for the Impact Championship. Um, Willie Mack, I'm a fan of from Lucha Underground. I don't know much about Chris Bay yet. I have somebody that I want to t- uh, take a little closer look at one of these days. Um, as we just mentioned, we have the Impact uh, Knockouts champion, uh, Jordan Grace, in a match with the newly signed, uh, fresh out of NXT, Deanna Perrazzo. Great um, match. And Perrazzo going over, which really kind of in a shock victory there, her first, uh, first championship match, first title win. She's only been with the company like a month, month and a half, if that. Um, me personally, I'm a big fan of Jordan Grace, so I don't like seeing it, but that's just me. I think Perrazzo's good enough. I would have loved to see Perrazzo on AEW, but I love me some Jordan Grace, and I would have loved to see them keep the title on her for longer. Um, we have the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, uh, which they had brought back. Moose, who I'm decidedly not a very big fan of, Same. Uh, versus Tommy Dreamer. Uh, funny, I... One would think I'd be more of a fan of Moose considering he used to play for the Colts, but he's just his his mannerisms, he just doesn't do it for me. Like, he's not – I don't think he's got all that much charisma and he's not that great in the ring to me, so he's just not somebody that I really – yeah. No charisma. He honestly reminds me a lot of Lashley. He's a less jacked Lashley. Ugh. Um, and then in the uh, main event – which was originally supposed to be just a four-way, was going to be Eddie Edwards, uh, Trey of the Rascals, and Ace Austin, and a mystery opponent. Um, it was originally set to be a five-way with those three plus uh, Elgin and uh, Tessa Blanchard, who were no longer either of them with the company. Uh, there was a lot of teases for who that new person, that mystery person was going to be. Some people thought it was going to be EC3. They teased a former champion coming back, Eric Young. There was thoughts that it might be one of the two good brothers. There was thoughts that it might be uh, Rusev, things like that. Uh, even Matt Cardona, Heath Slater, now known as just Heath, I guess, showed up periodically on the show. There was thoughts that he might be the next person in. Um, but it ended up being Eric Young. They also had Rich Swan return from injury and jump straight into the title picture. So it did end up being a five-way, uh, to which they did end up putting the title on Eddie Edwards. 
which makes sense given that Edwards has been a company guy for all. He's kind of the, I'm not going to call him the Cena of impact because he's not, you know, Superman by any stretch, but he's been a very loyal company guy for them. And he's someone the crowd likes fans like, so that's a really safe person to put the belt on after having some issues with Tessa and after having some issues with Elgin and things like that. He's a safe guy to put the title on for the time being. Um, and then they finish it up with the in-ring debut of the two good brothers. And then we get a vignette of the returning EC3. They so, went all out, bro. Yeah, they really did. And, I mean, of the people that they debuted on the show, you know, being Heath Slater, the good brothers... Uh, the Machine Guns back, and now EC3 and Eric Young. That's all good talent. And, you know, sadly, all talent that was underused by WWE. Talent that uh, makes with, my with ears With the exception of up. Machine Guns. Um, and all to various, you know, various degrees. Like, uh, you can even throw Perrazzo into that group because all she ever did on NXT was job. Uh, Eric Young was never, once he left NXT, was never treated with any kind of seriousness. Um, Heath Slater is one of the best talkers on the roster at WWE, and they never gave him a fucking chance. He's the only member of three-man band that didn't become a world champion Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And then you can't really even talk about underused talent without bringing up EC3 because... He's someone that never that should have been a can't miss prospect with WWE, and I, it still blows my mind that he what use he they didn't even do anything bombed as hard fumbled yeah. him one hundred percent. You have a guy that looks like a million bucks. He's decent to okay in the ring. Can talk like a motherfucker. He's custom built to be a Vince guy, and is a great legitimately great promo and they never let him say a word on the main roster he was up there for over a year over a year and never had a live mic in his hand that is a crime that is a 100 that's a felony right there yeah it is and uh i know they actually did an interview with him recently that i'd read where he kind of trashed the WWE creative thing, and he actually blamed uh, part of his leaving uh, on the uh, the Fiends booking because he thought, well, there's somebody who really put 100% into his character and really had this great character and this great pitch and great story and great creative that he came up with and was really you know, exactly where I want to be and what I want to do, have that kind of creative control, and they fucking jobbed him out to Goldberg for a nostalgia pop. Yep. So it's like, I, if they can take something that I put that much effort to and then they just don't get it and call it stupid, why do I want to be there? And he's like, I made this pro- I made some of these vignettes and these promos at home with my camera, and they're better than some of the shit they had come up with for me. Now, it does come off as, his, some of the stuff he says comes off as a little bit arrogant, but at the same time, it echoes a lot of the other shit that you've heard about WWE's creative from guys like Moxley, guys like... Uh, Jericho, guys like uh, Matt Cardena. So, I mean, there's obviously some issues with WWE creative. I mean, we could say that just from watching the product, but even backstage there's issues with WWE creative. 
that just aren't being addressed. Uh, hell, the Good Brothers, uh, Gallows and Anderson, had some interesting things to say about Paul Heyman on the way out. Oh, yeah, uh, they did AJ's also. AJ's had some interesting things to say about Paul Heyman. Also, funny note, did you watch BTE this uh, from yesterday? Uh, no, I've not watched it, but I've read the uh, read the summary of it. Yeah, Good Brothers were on there. Well, they're, and, and they're, not old footage, it's new footage. Right. Well, the rumor going around, and I don't know if it's been corroborated or not, I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, but the rumor going around was that they were originally supposed to have been in AEW, and I think they've even said that themselves. They were supposed to be on the opening night, the very first Dynamite, uh, and then backed out of it and signed with WWE because of getting more money, essentially. But I think the original idea was they were going to turn on the Elite and uh, join the Dark Order. Either join the Dark Order or join uh, Inner Circle. I cannot remember which. Interesting. So, yeah, it would have been an interesting get either way. I think they would have fit better with the Inner Circle. But, yeah. And uh, the other stuff that they've mentioned... um, well, AJ came out first and said that he is 100% not a Paul Heyman guy. Um, point of fact, called him a bold-faced liar. And then said, well, I'll let, the, I'll let Gallows and Anderson have their time to, to explain that. Well, come to find out, according to the two of them, if I'm remembering correctly, that Heyman had told him, you know, you guys are in a safe position. I'm going to go to bat for you. I'm going to make sure you guys are well taken care of. And then they get fired. And when AJ goes to Vince and asks, was this a Heyman thing or was this a you thing? Vince says, well, they weren't on my list to get rid of, so it must have been a Heyman thing. So threw Heyman under the bus prior to firing him. I have a hard time believing that it was just purely a Heyman thing because I have a hard time believing that Vince doesn't have his hand in everything. Correct. And it seems like he's just doing his best to not piss off AJ or deflect pissing off AJ. AJ, who... You know, for being the greater wrestler as he is, doesn't seem to be the brightest guy in the in the room on a normal basis. Reportedly being a flat earther and among other things. Ugh. So. Ligros. Yeah, there's. Don't meet your heroes, kids. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's some obvious ill ill will and some bad blood between the two of them and with AJ against Heyman, who may or may not be a scapegoat. Um, there's a, That's the reason that AJ's on SmackDown again. Um, yeah, there's some there's some interesting things to unpack from there. But really, I mean, all told, Slammiversary was a good card. I, um, I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and watch it yet. I'd like to. Um, I kind of hope to when I'm on my little vacation to watch some of that. But... I think they did exactly what they needed to do, which is, you know, get their world championship in order. Uh, they've got some new blood in the tag team division with the machine guns. Uh, they've got an inter- they've got uh, Kylie Ray as a new challenger for the title. They've shaken up the women's scene with Peraza winning and Kylie getting the number one contendership spot. That'd uh, be a hell of a match between those two. Mm-hmm. Again, I I'm you know, 100% biased. I'm a Jordan Grace guy, so I wanted to see her keep the title, and I'd rather see her versus Ray. Nothing against Perrazzo. I'm just that much of a fan. Sure. Um, I'd love to see Grace go to – well, there's a lot of women. I would have loved to have seen Perrazzo go to AEW. I'd love to see Grace go to AEW. 
any of these higher talented women, I'd love to see go to AEW. We've we've discussed that before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you had you had any thoughts from you on the card? Uh, you know, I watched the highlights of the show, and I you know was I I remember I was scrolling Sunday morning, and I saw you know Motor City Machine Guns return. What? You know, immediately click on the link, mm-hmm. and then I'm clicking on every fucking link because I'm like. Oh, Moose versus Tommy Dreamer. They used tax and it went his eye. What? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course it, it didn't. It almost did, but it like <laughs> it's like a holy shit moment. Really, really crazily well suspended. Who would, what you know. what company would use eye on eye violence in these days? Who who would do such a thing? It looks like every company as of right now no uh, shit. Uh, pretty much ha- have been using the eye drama. Uh obviously AEW kind of paved that path first. Once again, Jericho is leading the charge. Who would have thought? <laughs> Jericho's thought? a trendsetter. Who would have thought? <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a kind of his mo. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, I don't like they don't have some kind of crowd. It is a little bit weird. It is. Um, but for what they worked with, for what they had, um, the gets they got, the people they're bringing back and bringing in, Don Callis having control and having some better ideas. I really do think they can rehabilitate their company, and maybe Impact is going to be in the, you know conversation in a few months i think honestly i've watched enough of impacts programming i I catch an odd uh an odd impact here and there their booking has not been bad at all and they have really good talent on that roster um they did have a couple steps back with the tessa thing and with elgin and with unfortunately with uh with joey ryan so i mean there's going to be some recovery needed from that but They've got themselves set up well to be an interesting promotion going forward, or at least someone worth watching. It's not just a joke anymore. Yeah, it's it's a company that can be taken seriously again. You know, mm-hmm. it's an interesting situation where Eric Young left the company, and you were like, "God, man, they're underutilizing him." And then he's he debuts in NXT, and you're like, "Oh, there's a chance he's going to be utilized really well." And then they kind of use him really well, and then NXT again gets called up, and then gets underutilized totally. Shows back up in Impact, you know, his home. It's It was good feels. It was really, it was right. good feels all around. I thought they delivered a really good product that made me want to tune in to Tuesday night show, even though I didn't tune in tonight, which I'm pissed off at. I'm going to be catching it as soon as we're out of here. Well, I mean, and EC3 coming back is a big get for them as well. He's, he's someone that, I'm not going to say never should have left, because, again, he is custom made to be a top WWE guy. So him him bombing there has nothing to do with his abilities whatsoever. So it kind of sucks to see him kind of in a way going back to the being the big fish in a small pond, but at least it's a pond that takes him seriously. The pond recognizes he's a fish. And he's another guy that I think would have done really well in AEW if he'd gone that route. Um, there is still a rumor that Rusev is going to show up at Impact. Uh, some of their teases involved the Bulgarian flag. We won't know because even if they had signed him, he couldn't have debuted at Slimiversary because, unfortunately, Rusev tested positive for COVID. He had the Rona. So he seems yeah. to be doing all right. I know, uh, I believe it was Lana had said that both of her parents had uh, tested positive at one point as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're obviously having a rough go of it, so to speak. But um, have you seen any pictures of Rusev lately? 
offhand? I watched some of his YouTube videos. He looks good. Uh, I saw a picture of him earlier. Dude is yoked. Like, he is beefy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, he'll be a know, good get for whoever gets him. I think he's cool. got a good chance to be a legit main event star with whoever he signs with. I really hope AEW, just personally, I think they're a better company to handle him. I do, too. I, I hate saying that because not, my knee-jerk reaction is going to say I want him to go to AEW because AEW is my favorite promotion to watch at the moment. And that's not to take anything away from Impact or anything like it, but that's the biggest stage going forward. Correct. Well, it's, and, uh, it's sad to, to say that it's a big stage. stage in WWE, well, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, and kind of jamming into AEW, actually, we did just finish up uh, Fight for the Fallen. Or Fighter Fest 2, as uh, JR Oops. called it as they were going off air. Yeah. Uh, you know, good old JR. We, we can count on him for a, for a slip-up or two, but he's getting better. We'll, 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 give, him, we'll give him a little credit. You going to run the card down, my man? Uh, I can. Give me just a second. I, back I loved Fight for the Fallen. I thought it was a fucking awesome night. I uh, loved Fighter I, Fest Night I enjoyed well. it for the fact that they put up a it was a pay per view quality card again. Uh, started off with Sunny Kiss and Cody. Uh, hands down, Sunny Kiss is the best match that I've seen, and I've watched him in Lucha Underground prior to AEW as well. But legit good match out of Sunny Kiss. Uh, what do you make of Cody healing it up a little bit? Um, what do you mean healing it up a little bit? You just just had being more aggressive in the match. Well, no, he pulled the turnbuckle pad off at one point. Oh yeah, I forgot that happened. Yeah, he he was he was full on doing some heel shit there. Well, I think we're getting the teases of a new faction. I think that the you know rumor mill is very sharp that there is a team that's going to be Cody, uh, Sean Spears, and FTR uh, with Tully Blanchard's like kind of guidance, mm-hmm. kind of a new era four horsemen. What was that? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see it. I mean, as much as a uh, of a history file as Cody is, I would not at all be surprised to see that. I mean, um, I don't think they'll necessarily call themselves the Four Horsemen. I think that could be like retreading water, but it's going to be a definite homage to that. I think so too. Um, um, I do think there's a little uh, there's some character work in Cody mentioning a couple times that he doesn't know if he's in the elite or not anymore because they never seem to be, have anything to do with him anymore. Which, I mean, stands for a reason. He's, I kind of buy that. So we'll see where it goes. Because he's had a couple matches now where he's been overly aggressive and he's been a little more on the heelish side. Uh, they played it up on commentary as he was just uh, burning himself too hard. So, I mean, there could we'll be see. some story there. I'm going to go on, on a limb and say Matt Cardona is the new... Uh, debuting person that's going to come challenge for that TNT title? I, I don't think so, but I have my reasons. I have my hopes and dreams here, and I will well, not you let have you take your them hopes, away. And, and I, <laughs> I like those hopes, too. They The fact that, okay, in case you missed it, and I, I immediately sent you something as soon as I saw it, but yes, you in case did. you missed it, uh, AEW has been you know hyping up that they are going to have some top independent wrestler as the challenger this week for the uh, TNT title, and then aired a or retweeted a clip from I believe it was from the uh, uh, C2E2 interview that they did, 
where Arn Anderson mentioned Warhorse out loud, and then AEW retweeted it. Hmm. And that sent me ping-ponging through the fucking roof, <laughs> for one. I'm going to go full Batista here and just scream, give me what I want. If uh, I'm going to be, I'm very excited to watch. Uh, you know what I want? Give it to me. You're going to give me what you yeah. give me what I want. I swear God, to God, I'm so very awkward. excited to watch Dynamite tomorrow, and if, I'm going to be extremely disappointed if it's not Warhorse. But, but I will understand as well. There's also a rumor that it could be Tim Storm. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Um, I I still like your idea that it could be Aldis, even though I'm not an Aldis fan. I still like that idea. But hand on my heart, I am hoping to God it's Warhorse. I would absolutely go through the fucking roof um we did uh we finished we moved on the card to uh a dream match of mine which is ftr and the lucha brothers and honestly that was a hell of a match um great match the classic heel move of ripping at the mask to get the uh, flash pin um and then you had the uh the bucks laying out uh butchering the blade afterwards uh for the keys to the pickup which is nice to see. Um, and then you had uh, a little bit of a character moment with Kenny bringing out a cooler of beer to try to, you know, extend the olive branch, so to speak, to FTR after he dumped out their beer the week before and uh, or two weeks before. He brings him out a couple beers, which they, you know, promptly dump on his head. So we don't really have a, that olive branch really accepted at that point. No, they did not. But... Uh, honestly, the move, the match itself was awesome. Really, really good match. And, it, I mean, what you would expect from both those teams, truthfully. Oh, they um, put on a clinic, man. FTR is amazing. And the Lucha Brothers, yes. obviously, are amazing. And I loved, the, like you said, the finish with the mask and the roll-up. Like, clever. It's clever heel work that makes me really love it's, FTR. It's, it's clever, but it's old school as hell, too. Sure. Like, that's something you'd see somebody do against Ray back in the day. Absolutely. Um, after a commercial break, we come back with Le Champion in the in the ring, and uh, the story of last week was kind of the uh, the ratings uh, coming out of uh, Fighter Fest versus uh, Great American Bash, and Tony Khan was just over the moon with the ratings and how they just beat the hell out of NXT and blah blah blah. Well, who better to come out and talk about ratings than Chris Jericho? The demo god. The demo god. They already have a shirt. They had a shirt within 24 hours. Amazing. The man is a human. Buckles. Buckles is going to keep going. I've got to go to the short bathroom break. Oh, that's absolutely fine. Uh, I texted you, but I'll I'll just say it now so I don't piss all over myself. (laughs) Well, like, you got to give credit to Jericho for it's kind of a running gag that he is going to have a shirt out that quickly and have a new nickname that quickly, but you got to give credit where credit's due. The man is a modern day David Bowie of professional wrestling. He is able to transition from one persona or one gimmick or one uh, new catchphrase so seamlessly and so well that, you know, having this demo God, which the demo talk and the ratings talk last week was kind of tiresome. It kind of felt like splitting hairs because they, AEW may have won the fight that night and they did, but Ratings-wise, they're both still kind of hurting, not to the extent that Raw and SmackDown are, but 
it seemed like they were just very much bragging over a win that may not have meant a whole hell of a lot. But Jericho uses that to his advantage to be an even better heel. Um, and the Demo God shirt is fucking wonderful, for the record. Um, but in the in the uh, in the goings on of him speaking about all this and and bragging and whatnot, we get the interruption from Orange Cassidy, and Jericho had led in the promo saying that there will be no rematch and there will be no rematch and there will be no rematch and here comes comes Cassidy standing out in the stands, and he says again there will be no rematch. Cassidy, you're not getting any kind of a rematch. Cassidy is he is want to do never says a word, gives him the thumbs up the the lazy man's thumbs up and then transitioned it to the lazy man thumbs down in the sloth version of the uh, Roman Colosseum, and instead he sloth Batista him, yep, and then instead of uh, instead of being torn asunder by lions, we have orange juice falling from the heavens, <laughs> amazing, and just completely dousing Jericho. And the inner circle and Jericho's quote unquote seven thousand dollar jacket. Um, I think it's Ortiz oversold the fuck. Oh out my of it amazingly. god! Just died like a fish on a boat, just like flopping around on the deck. I was laughing so hard. I honestly, the best thing about that whole segment was afterwards when Jericho's up on commentary and just losing his mind. I'm sticky, Jr. I'm stick. I'm trying to do all this stuff, and I'm sticky. I hate. It. I smell like orange juice, and I hate it. I'll kill you, kids. I love it. I fucking Jericho on commentary is amazing. Um, he's gonna have a long career as a commentator after he's done wrestling. Oh God, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Again, I, I'm gonna just continue calling him that. He's the David Bowie of modern professional wrestling. Yes. Um. So after the, uh, the the death of the $7,000 jacket, uh, we have the Elite versus uh, Jurassic Express. Uh, and a decent match. Not a bad match by any stretch. You're not going to have a bad match when the Young Bucks and Omega are involved. But uh, the one thing I want to point out was there was this really crazy uh, uh, destroyer spot from Marco Stunt, I believe, on Matt Jackson. Canadian destroyer from the outside of the yeah, ramp off the, the sp- second row. Oh, my God. Springboard, you know. Off of uh, Luchasaurus' shoulders. What cool the idea for a spot, but to me it came off kind of really hokey because it was obvious that everyone was getting into position for it. Like, yeah, both the Jackson, like Nick Jackson, was holding his brother in place on the ropes. Like it needed to be a little smoother or a little quicker for it to work out because having the two of them stand there for a second, and just waiting for it to happen, was kind of hokey. But cool inventive spot nonetheless. Um. Second week in a row, we've had a crazy inventive Canadian Destroyer because right. the women's match right. last week had a Canadian Destroyer that was nuts. Right. Um, and then ended with uh, Omega hitting a uh, one-winged angel on the Marco that looked like it may have like destroyed his soul. Actually broke his <laughs> neck. Yes, it may have killed him. I was like, and oh, then, my God, he is dead. And then we get a little heel work from uh, from Omega. Hmm, the cleaner. Who just smiles and just starts wailing on Marco again. I feel the cleaner. Which, I guess that's just instant way to be, do some heel work is just beat up Marco Stunt. That's what everybody wants to do. So, beat up the little everybody guy. Everybody likes Marco Stunt. If you beat him up, you're an asshole. Well, it's also the fact that he's half the size makes everything you do to him look worse. That's why, you know, Archer had so much fun throwing, ragdolling him around. Um, what do you make of the heel work there? 
I think it is, uh, well, it's not as impactful if you haven't watched Being the Elite this week. Eh, true. And I say that because in Being the Elite this week, you know, on the other side of him attacking Marco, you have Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus busting into the Elite's locker room. What the hell? I thought we were all friends. I think you should apologize to Marco, Luchasaurus says. And Kenny gives this look like, fuck you. You know, that's old Kenny. He just <laughs> said, fuck you. But he doesn't say it. And then the Bucks go, yeah, man, you should, you know. And, and Luchasaurus drives the character home, really, in the moment, saying, you know, Marco really, you're like his favorite wrestler. He really looks up to you. And you really hurt, like, you really hurt his feelings. And then they go to Marco and Kenny, and they have, like, this serious heart-to-heart. And you're like, oh, Kenny's being sweet. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, when's the cleaner going to come back? And literally, as soon as he walked out in the hallway, sadistic smile, talking under his breath and walking away. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, the slow-building heel turn of Kenny Omega is so needed. So you think he turns uh, turns heel on the Bucks, or is he going to turn heel on uh, Hangman? Well, he's pissed at Hangman for hanging out with FTR. That True. happened on being the elite. Oh, that happened on it happened on uh, on Dynamite at first. Well, I mean, him revealing that he was pissed happened on being the elite. Okay, gotcha. Um, I don't know, man. It would be in, if if he betrays Hangman. It could only be after they lose the titles. Because if you do the feud before they lose the titles and then try to make them work the shit out, it just it's going to be kind of hokey. It's going to drag it out too much, for one. Correct. It's got to be like, suddenly they lost the titles to Jurassic Express in a crazy shock moment, and then Kenny just fucking snaps, goes red, yeah. and just starts beating the life out of Hangman. Full-blown heals him. It full-blown... Gives Babyface credence to Hangman, which he's already yeah. kind of built back to. I think you to. have to keep Hangman face on that. Yeah, and then and then you have a big story you can tell with these two that has been like seven months in the making. Really, a good long story for a team that you know hadn't teamed together outside of WWE or outside of AEW. Bro. Hang on. Uh, sorry, I lost you there for a second. My headphones cut out on me for just a split oh. second there. I got okay, you. Okay, no worries. Um, so yeah, after after the Omega thing, we move into uh, there's a promo from Moxley about the uh, match with Brian Cage later on in the night, which kind of gives a little bit of foreshadowing into the match where he says, well, maybe I can't get him up for the paradigm shift, so I'm just going to go after the bicep he just had repaired. I'm going to tear it right off the freaking bone, which very Moxley. I love it. Um, we move into, uh, the Nightmare Sisters with Dustin versus a couple of jobbers. Uh, What's up with Allie? I don't know. I, I can't She was the bunny. Now doing. she's not the bunny. Well, they she, did this thing with, uh, on Dark where she's, like, smitten with QT Marshall, which meant she was involved with the, uh, the Nightmare family, and she was kind of beefing with Brandy, and now they're tagging, but they're not friends, but it's, it's just weird. Uh, and unfortunately, other than Dustin, none of them are really good enough actors to really pull much of it off. Um, no. And I, I like I like Brandy enough. I like her as a personality. I don't mind her as a manager. 
I don't think she's that great of a wrestler, and it's not about being green. I just don't think she's that great. So, and I, Allie is decent enough, but she can't really carry the whole thing herself. So it's just kind of a weird conglomeration. I think they need to, I hate to say this, they need to stop trying to make Brandy a thing as a wrestler. As bad as the uh, the Nightmare Collective was, um, at least she was only a manager in that regard. Now they're trying her as a wrestler, and it's not going to get over either. You know but what I would do? Just, what's that? Give her, hopefully people don't take this the wrong way, give her the Stephanie McMahon role, kind of, and make her become like GM. And be well, like, she technically you know, is the brand officer. Well, right, correct. So there's there's reality there. But what I'm saying is, Cody's like, look, I got too much on my plate. I'm champ. Bucks got shit on their plate. They can't do it. We're not all on the same page. You know, Hangman's off doing his thing. Kenny's off doing his fucking thing. Nothing is cohesive right now. We need somebody at the top to just kind of run the ship so we can all focus on being wrestlers. I can see that. And then, That's, boom. She, I, I, she's... Yeah. The, the the thing is, they, they're trying to not have the authority figure because WWE's just done that into the dirt. Totally. And so I, I get why they're not doing it. It would be something nice to have. I think really they need to take a cue from NXT and have it like Regal, where he's just there to make the matches. Exactly. Um, and if you can pull that off, have Brandy just be Regal, you're fine. I just think yeah. they're, I think they're trying to avoid the comparisons to WWE for a little while. I think Which Regal I Brandy might be the episode title. What's that? I think Regal Brandy might Regal be the Brandy. episode title. I can see that. I can see that. Um, so after that, we have a promo from Nyla Rose, or a match, rather. In, was it a match? I can't remember. No, it was just a no, promo. No, it was just a promo. It was just a promo. Um, and we have the reveal of Vicky Guerrero as Nyla's manager. Love it. I love me some Vicky. Sign I me do. up. I Vicky is legitimately off screen is a wonderful person. Um, and on I'm happy screen, for one of the greatest hated people. She's a she is a great manager and she's a great old school manager because she's willing to take the pratfalls and willing to take the comedy stuff as well as be a decent manager. So I'm all for it. Um, they managed to make her music a a remix of her saying "excuse me" and it's horrifying. <laughs> Oh yeah, it is. Um, and then into that, we go to the uh, the world championship match of Cage and Moxley, which true to form was Cage hossing around Moxley and Moxley trying to tear Cage's arm off. Um, and we have some spots with it. We have some uh, commercial breaks in the in the interim. Um, the uh, the finish, I love the finish. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I love. I like the some of the visuals of the finish. I'm not really a big fan of the throwing in the towel necessarily, but I love uh, Moxley uh, transitioning into the armbar and flipping off Taz the entire time. Oh yeah, I love it. I fucking love that. Um, but yeah, Taz throws in the towel. Um, I don't like that for one reason. Can I say? Go ahead. MJF Cody. I know it's yeah. They've already effect, done that once. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. But it's literally back to the well a, a, a storyline they just used 
Yeah, they're going back to the well fairly quickly. There's there's a little bit of I, I kind of like the continuity of it being Taz because he's always carrying around that damn towel anyway. Sure, yeah, I I don't so, mind it. I'm just saying that's my ding. Yeah, yeah, they they are going back to the well a little quickly on that. To me, it's weird because they're it's weird having Cage lose that fast, even if he's not tapping out himself. It's it's a bit of a weird thing having somebody you're building up that quickly lose that quickly. But again, they did the same thing with Archer. Um, I think they do that with all their talent, though. They Look at Nyla. Do. Nyla could have just ran roughshod and been champ yeah. right away. Nope. Knock her off her pedestal. I guess drop her Wardlow down, lost his, Wardlow lost his first match. It was the cage match with Cody. Yeah, they do kind of do that, I guess. That's true. Hager's I mean, it's lost not a bad a formula times. to have because it... it it lends credence when I'm watching as a fan. Brian Cage has lost to John Moxley. Now, if Brian Cage goes on to face Darby Allen, well, it's believable that John Moxley yeah. beat him, so maybe Darby could beat him. Now I have some believability. Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then if he just absolutely destroys Darby, well, that to be expected. And if yeah. it's an upset, <gasps> I'm actually surprised as a That's fan true. that they did that. It See, they're smart about how they book. Because they are thinking bigger picture at every point. I will say, at some point, you do have to give your monsters a, a key win, though. And, I, and, and I'm sure they, they will. And I'm that sure eventually. that at some point, you know, Archer's going to really take off. And at some point, he'll probably end up finding his way back to Cody and taking that title off of him. I do think that. I think Wardlow's going to come out as a face at some point. That could very well happen. I think, that's, that's I think they're already thing building as well. that. I do want to give a shout-out to Darby with the uh, – if there had been a crowd there, that crowd would have gone nuts to see Darby come back, for one. Oh, man. But that jumping off the turnbuckle with the skateboard and, and pegging Cage with it, that looked nasty. <laughs> yeah, uh, it looked very, very brutal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I tweeted Tony Khan. I saw that. Yeah, and I think I have a legitimate question and a legitimate gripe that kind of bothers me about their product. And it is that I see people in the crowd, and sometimes they are with mask. Other times they are without mask. And then, like this week on AEW, there were people with mask next to people without mask less than six feet apart. Well, I will say I know, and we mentioned on the show last time, that when uh, they showed the... Orange Cassidy thing, and he was kind of in the upper deck, and there was people behind him without masks on. Mm-hmm. They they even there was something that went ahead of, ahead of that where they'd been letting friends and family of the wrestlers come in, but keeping them to the upper decks and not because they weren't putting the camera on them, didn't care if they wore masks or not, because they were far enough away from everybody else that it was up to them. It was just mm-hmm. so happened that because of where OC stood, they actually saw it. But, I mean, I'm talking literally. But no, visually, yeah. No, I know what you're at, getting at. At ringside, there were people mm-hmm. that are without masks. And it concerns me because it's like they're kind of setting the examples right now as WWE and AEW. And WWE now, every single wrestler who is not wrestling, who is out in the arena, did you is catch, wearing did a mask. Did you hear the, uh, the backstory on that, by the way? No. On the mask for WWE? Um. They were not going to do anything about it until somebody raised a red flag and said he wasn't going to come to work until he felt comfortable doing it. And he thought he went to – there was a particular talent that went to Vince KO. and said, hey, you need to put a stop to this. It was Kevin Owens. 
I did hear that. Yeah, once and you started Owen, saying it, I didn't and remember. McMahon actually asked Owens, "Well, how do we? What do we? What do you want us to do about it? You know, what do you want us? What do you expect me to do? What do you want me to do? How can I make this right?" And uh, Owens suggested, then what they actually implement is find them, find them for not wearing masks. And he said yep. it works for it works for drug issues. It'll work for this, and by God, it did. So. Just another instance of, hey, Kevin Owens is a, is a legitimately wonderful person. Totally. Wonderful, wonderful and human And he's trying being. to keep his family safe, man. That's trying why he's not on TV fa- well, right now. They they lost a grandparent to COVID. I actually didn't know that. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. They lost, a, I believe it was his mother or his wife's father, I think it was. Ugh. Um, but not only being a great guy and being a stand-up father and a stand-up husband... Can you imagine the the brass ones it takes to go up to Vince and say, I'm not coming back to work until you fix the situation? And here's how you do it for the safety of everybody else? Well, think about where Kevin Owens is in the position of, of power right now. He's got well, really he Vince in a, in a vice grip. He is, but uh, Vince also respects that kind of person, supposedly. Yeah, well, totally, but what, what kind of to go back to it a little bit, what's Vince going to do? Fire KO? No. Right. You're going to let him sit at home the whole time? I mean, mm-hmm. aside from him wanting to sit at home, you're going to bench him intentionally? No, because that's not going to work either, because then he's going to just get pissed off and leave the company where, guess what? The Bullet Club, and I'm just going to no, call I it know. the Bullet Club, the Elite, AEW, whatever you want to call them. They take him love. in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. But it still, takes, it, still, still, it still takes a set of grapefruits to, to step to Vince to do that. Even if you even if you feel like you're in a position of power, it still takes a set of stones to do that to your to Vince McMahon, not just your boss, but Vince McMahon of all people. Do you think it's it can't be as scary now as it was like in the '90s? Though he's not like he's 79 years old or whatever, and is like not really doesn't isn't as sharp as he once was. It's obvious, even when you saw him in the bit at WrestleMania during the um, AJ or not during WrestleMania during the Money in the Bank when Ask AJ a- and DB were in there, like. Ask Gals and Anderson. Ask uh, Heath Slater. Yeah. You know, ask uh, ask somebody like Moxley who went to him and got shit down. Ask uh, ask Moxley's wife who apparently had heat within the company for revealing that she had COVID. Yeah, fuck them for that too. No, there, there's, oh yeah, there's a lot to say fuck you to WWE for right now. But no, there's absolutely reason I in my mind to think that you say the wrong thing to Vince, you're, it's career suicide. But right now, on the however point, career suicide only goes so far when you have the amazingness that is all these other companies. Assuming, you know? well, yeah, I think that's only assuming that you can get out of your contract. Watch, look what they did to Harper. Yeah. Brody Lee. You know, there's a lot to be said for being released from your contract. There's also a lot to be said for your contract is extended because you had injury days or you had days off or you took time off and we got nothing for you. So enjoy catering. Ugh. you know, which they've, they've proven to have done. You, I, I honestly believe, and I, I have a hard time not believing that this whole dub, this whole bullshit with with Jeff Hardy and this alcoholism angle with Sheamus isn't a fuck you from Vince because his brother left. 
and he knows that he's on the way out too, so can't yeah. stop him. All I can yeah. do is lower his stock and bring his real life bullshit into the fold. Yeah. This uh, is a dirty bastard, man. He is a dirty well, bastard. I mean, you can all um, on the topic of that angle specifically. You can say that Jeff agreed to it, but I, they've already heard from Matt and uh, um, Shane Helms. Shane Helms also said that he doesn't like that angle one bit. He thinks it's a disservice. Matt doesn't like it one bit. And who's to say? Maybe Jeff wants to stay with WWE and he's all for it. But it's really also hard not to see it as Vince being a dick. It's it's just it's weird, man. And Vince is one of those guys where he's going to be a mythological figure until somebody that's close to him is okay with saying what actually happens because – Half of the shit makes him sound like a horrible human being, and half of it's hard to believe. So, I I don't know, man. Um, I wouldn't put it past WWE to fire somebody or or bench somebody indefinitely because they stepped to McMahon. I also wouldn't be surprised to see McMahon reward somebody for having a big set. Like, damn, I like the cut of your jib, kid. (laughs) This This is the same Vince McMahon who, as reported by The Undertaker... On WWE programming, once tried to fight Kurt Angle on a plane. Oh, shit. We already knew it happened. I mean, we've all heard the plane ride from hell story. But Taker actually corroborated all of that on on WWE programming this past weekend. Was that the last ride, bonus chapters, the Dead Man's Tales or whatever? Yep. Yep. I watched it. It was only about 20 minutes long, but it was fun. Uh, there's a there's a really fun story there about him and uh, Godfather getting drunk as shit in a hotel room and getting into a brawl over a hat <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Godfather or like Taker literally locked himself in a bathroom to get away from t- uh, Godfather. Godfather breaks the door down. Taker then takes the door and rams it over his own head and then throws it off the balcony of the hotel room. Whoa! And Holy then ends up losing shit. the fight to Godfather. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, you, if you get a chance, go back and watch it. It's some fun shit. But, I mean, can you imagine, like, you're just sitting in your car at the hotel. <laughs> See a door come flying off the, you know, fifth floor of a hotel, yeah. You know, you're just minding your own goddamn... Well, bam! Oh, my yeah. God, what the fuck was that? It was a door. <laughs> You look With a up, big hole in it. <laughs> you look up seven stories yeah. from where it just fell from, and you see and this shadowy the figure. <laughs> there's, a, there's a coroner and a fucking pimp <laughs> get into a fight. You're like, what the fuck is going on? I am too high for yeah, this. Yeah, that's that's kind of the story from w, from AEW at the moment. Um, I I'm ex, I'm excited to watch Dynamite uh, tonight just because I'm begging for Warhorse personally. But yeah, we'll it would be goes. great to see if Warhorse makes it out there. He's I'm so he obviously is it. cool with our show. We're a fan of his. So I'm if it was him it. or if it, what about Danhausen though? I think Danhausen's trying to get with Ring of Honor. So I don't think it'll be Danhausen for AEW. I'd love to see it, but I think he's angling more for Ring of Honor at the moment. He's been on Ring of Honor a handful of times, and truthfully, I think if Ring of Honor, if we weren't dealing with the pandemic, I think he probably would have been signed by Ring of Honor at this point. So I, I that's where I think that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, on the topic of Warhorse, really quickly, I meant to send this to you last night. Uh, do you remember hearing about on uh, uh, watching NWA Power that? Uh, uh, retro wrestling video game. Yeah, I've been. I follow them on Twitter. Uh, they've actually got Warhorse in the game. 
there's a bunch of cool shit in that game, and they've been uh, slowly releasing some of the information and some of the visuals from it that they've been working on, and uh, some of the sprites and some of the music and everything. Uh, they each, I think, I don't know if sure all of them have them, but at least some of the wrestlers have their own custom arenas. And War Horses is fucking amazing. Oh. It has chains for ropes. There's a metal band playing in the background. There's skulls and stack amps everywhere. The ring the ring bearer is flaming. Uh, there's a mosh pit outside. It looks amazing. Yes, I would love this. I would um, love to play this game. Is it available? I don't know when it's supposed to come out yet. Uh, I am following him just because I want to know when it comes out so I can buy it because I will play the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should look up, if you get a chance, look up their uh, their website because the roster is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's kind of the story of AEW. Uh, the other big story from this past weekend was... I have to take a deep breath before I do this because it's it's just a sigh of exasperation for me. The horror show at Extreme Rules. Horrible show. Uh, there's that there's some good stuff. Rules. There's some good stuff there, but God, no. <laughs> some of the decision making is just so bad. Just um, no. I do want to say the pre-show match between Owens and Murphy was really good. Um, the tag title match between Cesaro and uh, Nakamura and the New Day, the tables match was really good. Props to Kofi for taking a huge powerbomb bump through two tables. But who won? really, if you're talking about the show, you have to talk about the eye for an eye match. That's the one thing that people are going to remember after this. And Bro. Yeah. Fucking Halloween spirit town whatever fucking usa <laughs> whatever those like, stores spirit stores with all the that, that it, lo- it was the most obviously fake eyeball right and well supposedly it could have been worse it could have been worse from what i'm hearing um here's the thing is that they wrote themselves into a terrible corner just by booking the match at all correct because you either have to do it CGI. You, anyone watching the match, you know no one's eyes coming out of their socket. We're not getting a repeat of Big Van Vader here. It's not happening. So you're either going to have a shitty prop or a shitty CGI. One of the two. And as soon as and that's the only way you can and that's you're not going to have an out to that. That has to be how the match ends. You have to have the match end either to disqualification and a fuck finish, which no one wants and no one is going to tolerate. Or you have to have either a CGI eye or a fake prop. And none of the above is going to look good at any at any stretch. There's no reason to book that match, period, because there's no good out to it. There's no finish that is going to be satisfactory. And unfortunately, as soon as the match starts and you see that it's not cinematic, well, guess we're not doing the CGI. So as soon as the match starts, the bell rings, and we're not uh, going to a pre-tape. Well, guess we're doing shitty prop. So just keep your eye out for it. No pun intended. Mm. And what sucks, what really, really, really sucks, is that if not for that stipulation, great match. 
Ray and Ray and Seth have some cool chemistry. Uh, I dug some of the some of the aggression from Seth. I dug the character work. Hell, there's two really cool uh, apron power bombs or uh, uh, barrier power bombs from Ray that looked awesome. I dug Ray being aggressive as hell. But you can't get away from the fact that they have to finish the match with bullshit. And they did. They finished the match with Ray holding up the, you know, five cent fucking dollar store fake eyeball to his mask. And, you know, blinking, you'll miss it. But we got it still shot. And they distract from the fact that, well, we can't really have this stupid prop. It's going to look terrible. So how do we not get people to pay attention? Oh, let's have Seth vomit. I liked that he puked. Like, it was obviously fake puke, but I liked I didn't just because it was A, it was them admitting that they there was no good way to end that match and have it look satisfactory. It was completely done. There's no reason to have him puke other than to try to distract away from Ray. Get people to look at Seth instead. Mm. And it's also simultaneously the most Vince McMahon fucking thing ever. The guy, I literally, when I saw it, flash back to that Dark Side of the Ring documentary where he's looking at draws going, he's going to puke. He's going to puke. Immediately saw that in my brain. I do all right. That was pretty good. I'm I'm for it, but like, yeah, it makes sense in character. It ma- it's funny to see. It makes sense in the, in terms of he's just grossed out by his own actions. But in the moment, it looks so dumb, and everything about that ending and about the whole stipulation is just flat out dumb. And F and plus. yeah, and, and again. They booked themselves into that own corner. They have no one to blame but themselves because there's no one that needed that. There was no call for any of that bullshit. Mm-mm. And they rode himself into a, into a match where there was never going to be a good ending. I do know that uh, supposedly there's a rumor that there was a full-on makeup prop, like uh, stage makeup for Ray having an eye popped out. And Vince didn't like it, so he went with the... 25 cent you know i just walked out of walmart here's a 20 here's a quarter and a little machine to get a fake eyeball jesus it looked um, bad it was bad i mean okay yeah the match was all right get in and, uh, and supposedly supposedly the whole thing was done because ray hasn't signed a contract yet he was working that whole entire match without a contract, so they had to have him lose because they didn't know if he's going to come back. He's not coming back. He's going to go somewhere else. Um, he's kind of a, be creatively dried out with what the WWE keeps throwing him with these horseshit storylines that don't lend to his legacy. Man, he's a legacy wrestler. You should be having him being all kinds of like, look who Ray's going to face this week in this dream match. I know, right? And, and instead, like, it's like, here's him getting jobbed down in a fucking stupid-ass eye-for-an-eye match. Come on. Yeah, Vince, and that's how you... months behind. Mox and Jericho did it first. Well, then again, and again, if that's how Ray's going out, if that's the end of his contract and he doesn't come back, that's how you're writing off a legend is by a shitty match with a shitty finish. Dumb, 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 dumb. Deserves better. But that's kind of the theme of the night, as we'll come to find out, of Vince rewriting shit at the last minute. 
uh, with him not going with a certain prop eye or whatever. Because we go from that, we go to the women's match between Asuka and, uh, and Sasha, which, again, banger of a match. Great fucking women's match. And uh, Sasha bumped her ass off for it. Yeah, that was a great match. Um, but again, we have a shitty finish. Uh, we didn't. We skipped over uh, uh, over uh, Nikki Cross and Bailey from earlier, uh, which ended with Bailey cheating to win uh, using Lame. Sasha's uh, boss knuckles for a win. But now we're going to have two fuck finishes where we have a pseudo ref bump of. Uh, Asuka accidentally green missing the ref who sold it like fucking death for one. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Actually, you know what it reminded me of? Uh, you've seen Watchmen, right? The movie? Mm-hmm. Where uh, uh, Rorschach uh, dumps the uh, the hot oil in the con's face. Yes. And the guy just sinks to his knees just screaming. Yeah, that was the ref. But... Not only do we have the ref bump and the, the green mist and everything, then we have a belt shot and Bailey ripping the shirt off of the ref so she could count a regular speed, surprisingly, pin for Sasha. And just completely ruins the tone of the match. Great match and then just killed the finish. Does that mean that Sasha's champ? Uh, as of last night on Raw, no. She kept claiming to be, and then last night, they uh, Stephanie came out on a on a pre-taped interview thing and said that no, neither of you lost the match, but neither of you won the match. So we're going to have a title match next week mm-hmm. because we really need to pop ratings. <laughs> so we're going to fuck the finish of our pay-per-views to try to pop ratings by having a rematch on regular television when it should be the opposite. Um. Oh. But, again, it made the match itself completely invalidated. All the hard work and all the good match that they put in prior just completely invalidated. Um, and, again, supposedly, they started the night, or they started the day with Oscar uh, winning the title, or retaining the title. And then Vince decided last minute to switch it up. So now we have a second match of Vince, you know, interjecting himself. Ugh. Um... And moving on, we've uh, we have Dolph and uh, and Drew, which Dolph actually had a fairly clever uh, stipulation pick that he revealed at the last minute of being a one sided TLC match. Clever, very clever, but not clever enough because no one in the fucking world thinks Dolph Ziggler is going to win a main title at this point. No, I I actually tweeted something out that. Uh, or I think I, I can't remember if I tweeted or commented that Dolph could have challenged Drew McIntyre to a uh, open mic night stand-up match and still lost. You know, it's Dolph, the shitty, or I shouldn't say shitty, he's not that bad, but his stand-up comedian career, he could have challenged Drew to that and still lost. There's no no world where Dolph was going to come out winning that match. No. So clever, but no one really cared all that much. Um, we were supposed to get the bar fight between uh, Jeff and Sheamus. That got pulled for SmackDown for this week because, again, SmackDown needs to pop ratings. Uh, we were originally going to get uh, an unsanctioned match between Randy Orton and The Big Show, but 
that got moved to Raw because we need to pop ratings. Pop ratings, yeah. Um, so we finished the finished the night with a. I'm speaking in all caps here. Swamp fight. And no, I I actually have to disagree with you. I enjoyed it. I nope. Well, right out the gate, okay, like, okay, I get it. I get that Bray is like a supernatural figure, but when he snaps and the lights on everything, including the world, the fucking moonlight went out. Come on, (laughs) man. I mean, it's the Wyatt compound, man. Things are weird. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I get into this, the only this the only downside to me, I, I so I've been on the record as how much I love the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania, and again we have a cinematic match with Bray. You know, the, the problem with this is, is that you called it a swamp match and it wasn't in the swamp at all, but for like two minutes. Well, the the last half of it was. The biggest difference to me is that Cena can act, Braun Strowman cannot. Yeah, Cena can actually play like he's buying into it. Strowman, for all the benefits that he can do, his acting range is between RAR and RAR. <laughs> so, it's really hard to buy anything because he just makes everything re- look really cheesier. Um, I do want to focus on Bray's bits because I will, cards on the table, say that Bray Wyatt is the best character actor and the best gimmick actor in wrestling, hands down. Yep. Not, regardless of promotion. Hands down, Bray. Um, because there's more thought in what he says and more continuity in what he does with these cinematic matches and with this character work than anybody in WWE history, really. I can agree um, with that. I love that they're doing the three faces of Foley with him. I love it. And they really are leaning into it. They even had... You know, Swamp Monster Bray saying he's been trapped in this forever. He's been trapped and he can't get out. And the, the only way that he can survive is the Fiend not coming back. So he's trying to get Braun to join him. Because if Braun doesn't join him, then the Fiend's coming out and Swamp Bray goes back away. Yep. That's brilliant. It's really good. I love, love the callback of Alexa Bliss. Yeah, that was cool. That was definitely neat. Uh, it threw me for a minute because when I, I didn't recognize her right off the bat, and I thought, are they actually showing Sister Abigail? Oh, wait, it's Bliss. Is Bliss Abigail? No, they're just, oh, they're doing the, the mix match thing. They're tempting Braun. And really, that's the whole thing is he tempted Braun. He tried to preach to him at first to get him onto his side. and that didn't work, he tried to use Alexa to tempt him to his side. And then that, that didn't work. work. He just beat the hell out of him with an axe handle or a, an oar handle and tried to get him to his side. Whatever he could do to get Braun to join him. Because if Braun didn't join him, the Fiend's coming out to play. And when they did end up in the swamp, look what happens. Is you, see, you don't see Braun struggling to come up for air. It's Bray that's freaking out when the water turns red. It's Bray trying to come up for air. And then disappearing. Clever. And then you get the shot of uh, Strowman looking over the railing and, you know, saying it's over and getting the, the, the tag and everything, getting the, the logo and all that, which in my mind, it's just a, it's a Bray Wyatt shout out to the original fucking uh, Friday the 13th. 
with Jason popping out of the water. That's all that is. Yep. But who comes out of the water? It ain't Swamp Bray. It's the Fiend. There's uh, the depth of character work that Bray Wyatt puts into his characters is just so much applause worthy to me. And this was another another idea of it. I was like it how they um, yeah. had people that looked kind of like Harper and uh, Harper Rowan. and Rowan. Yeah, kind of. But it made me laugh a little bit. And then there was some other random fucking dude who's fully. You can just see his face clear as day, and he's just there to get set on fire. Yeah. I mean, was it cheesy? Absolutely. It was never not going to be cheesy. But I I took the cheese along with the fact that it's what needed to happen to get the rest of the point across. Put a little cheese on it. Again, Bray's character work is is smarter and is more thought out than anything else in WWE. Full stop. I can vibe that. So, I love it. Um, yeah, it has blemishes, and again, I put that up to Braun not being Cena. But yeah, and I, I'll say this again as a as a takeaway from the Firefly Funhouse: I can't wait till we see Cena again because I want to know what happens to him after that. Will we see Cena again? That's, That's a just question. it. I I don't know. But I I'm going to be very upset if the next time we see Cena, he doesn't reference the Funhouse. I, I, I same way. How? Yeah, I think how can you not though? Because he's the kind of character that just addresses everything. Like he's been really right. good about, right. you know, <clears throat> not avoiding stuff to make it more. He 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 likes a challenge. I think. And I think we all know where where Braun's headed. And that's a match with the Fiend that he's probably going to lose. Yeah, they need the but, title back on the Fiend because he's a better champion. Well, this is all—it's all getting back to the fact that they didn't—they shouldn't have taken it off him to begin with. But we're gonna do. Um, but that's the—that's uh, the horror show. Uh, the theme of Vince changing things apparently ran into Raw yesterday, where I guess Raw was rewritten like hours before the show started from top to bottom. Jeez. Now. That could be because Vince wasn't happy. It could be because the ratings were shit. It could be because half the roster has COVID. We don't know. <laughs> and because of the world that we live in right now, we can't know. And, and unfortunately, you have to wonder if everything is COVID, but who knows? Um, I, I think know... that one thing I want to mention. Sure. Sure. I hate that you call the pay-per-view Extreme Rules and you did not have any actual Extreme Rules match. Well, technically they did. Technically, they had the uh, the Dolph Ziggler half extreme no. rules. Horseshit! Like I get it, I get. I know, I know. I'm extreme, just saying that's their out. But that's not an extreme rules match. I'm talking yeah. unleashed fucking violence. What ECW stood for? Not all this. Listen, you know well, what? My first thought, and I'm just gonna tangent city here in anger. My first thought was as soon as I saw the fucking poster for Extreme Rules, I went, "No, you." Light purple and green are not extreme. It's <laughs> too happy. You're doing it wrong. They're those are neon colors that just doesn't. You can't no, emote that way. I agree. Here's the thing. They've they've called this. They've had this extreme rules pay per view for how many years in a row now? Yeah, too many. They they don't do. They they're not going to have a straight up ECW match. They may never again. I think the the last hurrah that was probably the Edge and fucking. Cactus Jack. Way back when. 
they just that's not what WWE is anymore, and they can trot out extreme rules because let's face it, extreme rules, false count anywhere, TLC, street fight, unsanctioned, they're all the same fucking match. Every last yeah. one of them. You you right. It's just though. they're all they're all different coats of paint on the same the same machine. Doesn't matter. But okay. they will continue to to try to add extreme rules the same way they always do. It it just it's a it's a buzzword that they can use to try to get some kind of a crowd response from people who don't know what extreme is. When I say when I want an extreme rules match, I want the unsanctioned match between Moxley and Omega. Yes. But the chances of us getting that in modern day WWE are somewhere between 0.0 and 0.1. <laughs> and hell freezing over. Yeah. Which would have to first actually um, exist for it to be able to freeze. I do want to touch really quickly on Raw. Um, again, they rewrote half the shit. Uh, supposedly, this was Kyrie Sane's last hurrah. She is, um, as far as we know, or as far as we've been told by Meltzer and the like, that she is this last taping, wrapping up her time with WWE and heading back to Japan. Um, she was recently married and wants to be back home. Apparently, there's no ill will between her and WWE. She's going to be some sort of brand ambassador for them there. But, you know, even though she got to go, if, if this was her last match, she got to go out beating Bailey. Nice touch. But the fact that she was never a bigger deal on Raw, she never got a title run. She never got, you know, treated like anything other than Sasha's little, or uh, Asuka's little friend, is a fucking travesty. Kyrie Sane is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, and you couldn't book her right. That's a shame. Going, it's a running theme with WWE. She is, she is one of the best wrestlers. One of the not just female wrestlers. She is one of the best wrestlers on the earth. And all that you could come up with is having her get nearly injured multiple times by Nia Jax. Good job, WWE. Way to fuck it up. Yep, that's just it's a crime. It's a damn crime. Your women's evolution, and you couldn't do something with one of the best women in the world because you're just too much of a boner for fucking Charlotte Flair. <clears throat> oh, speaking of which, there's also a rumor going around that apparently Andrade is someone who's had a pretty big beef with them over the uh, Saudi Arabia plane issue. Mm-hmm. But they won't do anything to him because Vince views him as a Flair now. What? Because he's with Charlotte. Lame. Yep. Get out of here yep. with all that bullshnikes. Um, oh, and uh, before, lest I forget, as far as uh, bullshit finishes, we had uh, Bailey cheating to win over so- over uh, over uh, Nikki Cross. We had the fuck finish with the women's title match uh, between Asuka and Sasha. We had the stupid finish with uh, Ray. We also had a forfeit finish uh, for the U.S. title. That was something that happened as well, um, where Apollo Crews supposedly has a bulging disc or something, which may or not really be COVID. We don't know. But that's also something that happened on the show, was that we had MVP taking the title in a forfeit because we can't have enough clean finishes in one night, apparently. MVP is the U.S. champ? Oh, yeah. Well, technically, no. Apollo is the reigning U.S. champ. MVP beat him in a non-title match and then had his own title belt made and claims to be the number one, the, the champion because in their title fight, Apollo didn't show up. 
Interesting. So it's a delusional heel thing, but um, I will say the MVP has been one of the like shining high points of this COVID era. He's a hell of a talker, and he's now leading what seems to be a bit of a stable of Lashley and now uh, Shelton Benjamin, which is nice. All right. <clears throat> it's the most interesting Lashley's been in, you know, ever. I was getting ready to say ever, and you beat me to it. I just, I just wish they had something better to do than ragdolling Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Although their first match as a trio last night, they lost to Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, and a returning Mustafa Ali. Nice. Who I'm a big fan of. Full name Mustafa Ali, not just yep, Ali. full name. He's had his full name back for a while. Wow. But they uh, they dropped the SmackDown hacker gimmick almost entirely, which probably would have been him. Uh. Really, like, the story of Raw and SmackDown the last couple of weeks has been how just bad they were and how bad the ratings have been. Uh, apparently the ratings are in, like, free fall, but Vince doesn't really care, I guess. Either he cares a lot and he's rewriting, or he doesn't care and it doesn't matter. We don't know. Um, Either way, their product is bad, and they should feel bad. Yeah. Yep. But they're making too much money to feel bad. We've already discussed this. They don't care, and they won't care. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Vince is making more money than God, and he has so much money that he doesn't care what they do. Fox is going to challenge God to a rematch and whip his <clears> ass again. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, you know what I would have loved? And this is completely a random thought. Have him challenge God and have Mordecai pop up. <laughs> the fucking uh, Kevin Thorne anti-Undertaker. Yeah. You remember him? I do remember. The all-white Undertaker, basically. I know Kevin Thorne still wrestles, and he's wrestled as Mordecai a couple times, so he's still out there. That's a feasible possibility. Interesting. Um, I do want to touch really quickly on NXT, um, because the end of the Great American Bash was the coronation of Keith Lee, Limitless Champ. Bask in Uh, his glory. Yep. Great match. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with the Undisputed Era. I don't know what's next for Adam Cole. But I hope to God they don't call him up because no one fucking goes to the main roster and succeeds. Um, But yeah, we have uh, Keith Lee as the champion. We have uh, Io Shirai is still your women's champ uh, after a uh, game match with uh, Tegan Knox. Uh, We have Dakota Kai as the number one contender and pretty much kicked off uh, Io's face at the end of the show last week. Keith Lee um, is also your North American champion. <clears throat> yes, he is. Um, with the potential next challenger being Karrion Cross, uh, who has a match lined up with Dominic Dijakovic tonight. So I got an interesting question about that, though. Sure. How can you? Okay, and I've always, I've always had, I've always taken even when Ultimate Warrior, even when Goldberg. How can someone challenge you? For your U.S. title, or in this case, the North American title. And if they beat you, how can they not say, well, I also should be the world champion too, I just beat you? Truthfully, I think the easiest way to do it is either have, uh, is to make the match specifically for one title. Or, easiest way, do it two out of three falls. Just have the okay. first fall for the U.S. title, or the, the North American title. Second fall is for the uh, is for the uh, overall title. What would the third one be for? Um, 
<laughs> Don't know. Loser's choice. Whoever is yeah. <laughs> down in that situation gets to pick what title they want yeah. to go for. Could be. Or you just have a, or you just have a two fall match. Have have to have two pins. Okay, I'm for that too. I'm sure they'll find a way. NXT, I, like I said when we did the uh, award show at the end of last year, that NXT pretty much gets a pass from me. They haven't done create. They haven't really done anything creatively so bad that to lose that good faith. They've consistently been a very good promotion and very coherently booked. So they've gotten the benefit of a doubt from me that if they do something that's weird or I don't really know how they're going to get both the titles off Keith Lee or one of the titles off, but I figure they'll find a way to do it correctly. I mean, like, you know, I guess the only thing you could really do without making it a match is <clears throat> have him vacate one. Vacate it, yep. Be yeah. like, you have to choose. And obviously he's going to be like, got to go with the big one. Later U.S. title or yep. North American title, like, hanging on so, to this I mean, this there's, there's ways they can do Got to break and... that. Uh, Adam Cole 400 and whatever ra- 31 right. day reign or whatever it was. I think it's a little I, I do see, I do think it's a little quick to have Kerry and Cross going for it. Not because I think Cross shouldn't win it but <clears throat> kind of like what we talked about with uh, Cage I think it's too quick. I think if you haven't, you've built him up really quickly with that big win over Champa. if you have him lose to Lee right away then it's kind of take some of the mystique off of him a bit. So I would have had him run through. I would have had him uh, win a win a tournament for that North American Championship or something. Yes, I I would like to have seen a different a different feud for the title for Lee, but we'll see. Like again, they they get a pass from me. They're going to get benefit of a doubt every time. So we'll see what happens. Um, I do want to point out something again. You and I have talked about the tag division on Raw and SmackDown being pretty lacking. The uh, tag scene in NXT is getting to be the kind of that extent as well. Like they're they kind of they're well for, dry. They're hurting for tag teams. Like <clears throat> they do have the undisputed era, but they've already had the titles what two times, three times now. Yeah, three. I uh, think Imperium's great. Don't get me wrong, Imperium's great. But challenger wise, you have Brizongo, who no one takes seriously, even though they're decent wrestlers. Nobody takes seriously. You have Lorcan and Birch, who they refuse. They seem to refuse to pull the trigger on. Uh, and then you have Indus Share, who we don't really know at all yet. So, pickings are kind of slim, uh, especially if you're looking for a face team. So I'm not really sure what they're going to do. They need to make a couple new teams. I do like the idea of uh, of uh, the Legato del Fantasma maybe going for the title since they are a faction. That's a possibility. Uh, cool. But again, that's a heel team. So I mean, they need a little bit of depth. It's not as bad, nearly as bad as NXT and or as a uh, Raw and SmackDown, where uh, you're hard pressed to find three teams in the division. Oh, uh, it's so bad, man. I'm, and listen, okay, it really is. We talked a little bit about off air about how you know Corona Mania keeps jacking everything up but it really has affected the wrestling world too because like some some companies like right now you just can't be bringing in a lot of talent you can't do a whole lot wwe i don't think is trying to debut anybody if they can help it here's the thing though is that i can't blame this one on corona i can blame this one on wwe creative because it's been a long time coming that vince doesn't give a shit about tag team wrestling that's true um and like they, 
to me, I mean, you, you can look at all these different people that they can put together and like, if you want, let's run down the list of tag teams in main roster WWE real quick. The two champions, you have Shinsuke and Cesaro on one side and you have uh, Street Profits on the other. One of which is a thrown together tag team because they, their faction leader, Sami Zayn, is in Canada. They had nothing else for him. So put him in a tag team, give him, give him a shot. Uh, Street Profits have beaten literally everybody else in the tag team division on their side. There's not really much else for them to do yet. Which is really just the Viking Raiders at this point. It's the the raw tag team division is the two of them, the Viking is the is the Street Profits, the Viking Raiders, um, and now uh, Garza and Andrade. That's it. That's literally the entire tag team division there. Um, Yikes! Unless you want to count. Unless you want to count Ricochet and Cedric, but they're too busy getting ragdolled by Lashley at the moment to be a tag team. Uh, then you move over to SmackDown. You have Miz and Morrison, if they decide to still be tag teaming together. You have um, the New Day, which you can put the titles on them at any given point in time because they're on bulletproof at this point. Um, and then you technically have... Forgotten Sons, who've been tweeted into oblivion, who've been forgotten. <clears throat> they've 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 not been forgotten. They've been ignored. <laughs> Ooh, uh, they've been blacklisted essentially. Um, and that's it. I mean, uh, Lucha House Party, maybe. No one cares. But that's it. That's literally like three teams on each side. You can't have the Usos because one of them is out with an injury. Uh, you can't have the authors of pain. One of them's out with an injury. Uh, you can't really call anybody up because there's no one in NXT. Short of throwing developmental people together and tag teaming them, which may be the answer. I don't know. But you look over at what what are... It's kind of interesting. You have a very different dichotomy with both the two main uh, promotions. AEW has, hands down, the best tag team wrestling on the planet right now. And they're focusing on it as well. However, their women's division is a mess. Look over at WWE. The women are pretty consistently the most entertaining thing on either show. And are consistently main eventing and putting on great matches. Their tag team division is a fucking mess. So it just kind of, maybe it just depends on what you want to focus on. Ugh. Maybe I could you argue need to take some to, talent who are sitting and catering. Well, guess what? You see if neither one of those can sit, or both those guys, both AEW and WWE can say, well, we're focusing on this and we're letting one thing fall to the wayside. There's one promotion that's not. One promotion that's hitting a good balance. Impact. We, impact. We talked about them earlier. Impact, you've got uh, the Rascals, you've got Triple XL, you've got Falaba and TJP, you've got Reno Scum, um, you have, uh, oh, there's a couple others, I'm, I know I'm forgetting, the North, obviously, um, and then you have any other teams that you want to throw together. That's all great tag team wrestling right there. Their women's division, Sue Young, fucking Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo, Kylie, Kylie Ray. Ray, Kimberly, 
Nevaeh. Nevaeh. Yeah. Uh, Rosemary, Taya. That's a, that's a women's division that can easily rival WWE's. And a tag team division that's not that... It's, it's not, not up to the quality of AEW, but it's a hell of a lot better than WWE's. True that. So maybe it's time that we paid more attention to Impact. You know, maybe it's time that we start watching it more often and talking about them a little more on this show. Hey, I'm all for it. I Like I said, I like what they did with Slammiversary. I'm looking forward to what they did tonight on uh, Impact, since tonight was their their latest episode, I do believe. Oh, um, I do want to I do want to touch on one other one other bit of business really fast, actually. Um, and I know it's not something you follow as well, but I haven't gotten a chance to watch it. But uh, in terms of strange booking, what's another promotion that's currently running shows? Um. Not Ring of Honor, not MLW, not part of this continent. New Japan. New Japan's currently Oh my shows. god, evil is taking over the Bullet Club. Everything, everything, everything is evil. in fact evil. Um yeah, we have evil winning the New Japan Cup and then turning on Naito and joining the Bullet Club and winning Winning the heavyweight title and the intercontinental title. Shocking. What on earth? Uh, there is some really head-scratching booking going on there. Evil Club, um, baby. What's that? I said, welcome to the Evil Club, baby. They've already got an Evil Club shirt out there. Is there really? Is There is either Evil Club or Shadow Club. I believe it's Evil, evil Club. Um. But it's such a head-scratcher to me because they Naito is universally loved over there. Like, he is a fan favorite. He's a, he's a tweener, but he is a fan favorite. And the storyline with him was that for so many times they'd, they'd had the chance to make him the guy, the guy. And they just never pulled the trigger. They always, you know, went with Okada. They went with Omega. They went with somebody else. Until they Wrestle never Kingdom. quite put him over. They finally did this year at Wrestle Kingdom. They finally gave him that major, major rub by giving him both the titles. And then he loses them, not only in his first defense, I think his first defense, but in an environment where it's, they're just getting back to live shows. He's his, his big storybook, you know, fairy tale ending from this, this wonderful crowning achievement is to sit on his ass for three months and then lose to his buddy. That's it. And I, I guarantee that if it had, if it had been in front of a crowd, evil would have gotten booed to hell, but not because he's a heel. He would have gotten booed to hell because he's not Naito. Yeah. And, it's such a weird decision to take that off of him, and not only that, but to put it on Evil, who is a decent character guy, but is not not a double champ <laughs> by any stretch. He's a good open weight champion, maybe. He could I could see him with the IC belt. I don't He's, imagine um, a world that makes sense where he is holding not only the main title, but both the main titles. It's just you might weird. need to fact check me on this, but is Evil now a Grand Slam champion for New Japan? I believe so. He has won, won the, the open weight title 
tag I know he's title. won the tag title multiple times. I believe so. He's also winning at life because he's uh, either dating or married to Io Shirai. Really? Yes. What? Yeah. Evil it's a good time to be evil right now. <laughs> it's There's your show title. Good, title. good time to be evil. <laughs> good time to be evil club. That's what it's going to be. It's uh yeah it's just this it's so weird it's 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 I mean it's one thing it's impressive at all to see uh, Evil winning the New Japan Cup over Okada that's weird in itself but to turn on the guy to break up the faction that everybody in New Japan loves is just beyond weird um, I do like that we're getting Hiromu Takahashi coming out as the one who's gonna piss and vinegar it up and go challenge him but i don't see what the end game here is man there's no he's got to be a transitional champ but to who back to naito or you're back where you started what about uh, some of these guys who are independent wrestlers right now who don't have permanent homes um uh there's a there's a uh, pretty big elephant in the room there you can't get him there oh that's true that is true that's uh, really there's that's the reason they I, I can't say that's the reason they put the belts on evil, but that's the reason they took evil out of New Japan out of uh, uh, Los Angeles is because the Gaijin faction of Bullet Club doesn't have any people. <laughs> they're all they're all, uh, you know, you've got Jay White, you've got Tamatonga, you've got uh, uh, Tangaloa. They're all overseas. They can't get in Japan. You know, uh all of them. They're, they were down to literally Yujiro Takahashi and Kenta, and that's it. Hey, is uh, is Mox still the U.S. champ? I think so. I can't How's remember. That work? I think so. <clears throat> well, I mean, they haven't really had a show in a while, so I, I'm I'm going to fact check that real quick. Hold yeah, on. But he can't even defend the title, even if they did have a show. Well, and they've already the stripped belt? it. You know what? They already stripped it from him once because he couldn't defend it. Correct. I I feel like he is. I honestly don't remember. Did did Juice win it back? I think Juice might be. Hold on, we're gonna find out real quick. He's going to the R and D department to get the answer, folks. I am going to the R and D department that is Wikipedia. He's walking in. You can hear him walking in. Okay. Sound effects. Nope. IWGP United States Heavyweight Title, John Moxley, second reign. Interesting. Uh, Evil has the Evil has the heavyweight in the Intercontinental. Moxley has the U.S. Title. Shingo has the uh, Never Open Weight. Um, the uh, IWGP uh, Tag Team Champion, newly crowned, is Zack Saber Jr. Yay, Taichi, boo. <laughs> um, junior Heavyweight Title, uh, Hiromo Takahashi. Uh, Junior heavyweight tag team is Rapongi 3K. That's no surprise there. Uh, never open weight six man tag titles is uh, Los Angeles. No, yeah, here you go. He's technically uh, Evil's technically a three time champ is a triple champ because he still has the open six weight or open weight six man belt Jesus. with uh, Shingo and Evil or with Shingo and Bushi rather. So technically, he still has a title with his two stable mates that he just betrayed. Huh. So yeah, evil evil is a triple champion right now. Good time to be evil club. Everything is evil, yes. 
Hell yeah. Is there so, anything else man. we want to add before we dive out of here, my brother? No, I think that's about got it. I am Woo. I am praying to whatever metal god that exists that we see Warhorse on on uh, Dynamite tonight. Warhorse. Warhorse. I mean, Cody fears Warhorse. Cody fears Warhorse. God damn it. Cody fears Warhorse. Clap, 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 clap. You should make a By sign the way, and post oh, it during God. the match because you know they do that, right, with the hashtags and shit? Mm-hmm. Do um, I'm also going to point out account, if you bro. jump onto uh, if you jump onto Pro Wrestling Tees, you can buy masks, uh, different AEW theme masks or different wrestling theme masks. There's some really fun ones. I I don't know if it's still for sale or not. I desperately miss it if I or needed and miss it if I didn't get a chance to. You can buy a Danhausen mask. Oh, that's awesome. I I, I don't know if it's still available or not. If it's not, I'm going to be kicking myself. But you can buy a mask, Housen. That's awesome, brother. I'm kind of tempted to. I wear a mask every day, so I'm kind of tempted to. Hell yeah, man. I uh, I love it. Uh, as always, folks, you can check out Journey into Wrestling every other Wednesday right here on the Journey into Comics Network. Get us on literally every fucking platform. Just search Journey into Comics Network. And check that out easy. some of the other cool shows on the network as well while you're at it. Oh, yeah. What Buckle said. Give us love. Spice love. <laughs> Anyways, folks, this has been Journey into Wrestling Season 4, Episode 22. It is a good time to be Evil Club. As always, I'm Nate. Still Buckle, still above ground. And we will see you folks next time. Take care of yourselves and each other. Later. <laughs>